Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is uh, episode number 152, dedicated to a man who on November 16th, 2003, made his official debut for FC Barcelona, Mr. Lionel Messi. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we talk a little bit about the report that came out surrounding Victor Oladipo. The NFL owners voted on a rule that really didn't get that much publicity. And Kyle Trask, that man keeps on balling. But first, I want to start today's show with a hand clap. With a hand clap. Yes, yes, yes. I would stand up because what I'm about to talk about is so important. I would stand up. And my computer and my microphone and all this stuff will go out of whack. So I'm going to sit down in my chair and hand clap. For Miss Kim NG, she has been named and has been announced the first GM, female GM, in Major League Baseball history. That is correct. And over the past few years, we have seen more women get involved in sports, not just in, in male sports, let me, let me be specific. We have there are sports for females. Oh, Jay, do you, are you saying that the women that are playing on the uh, U.S. Women's National Team that those are actually men? No, I'm not saying that. No, all I'm saying I gotta be I gotta be specific because I know someone out there is gonna take what I say the wrong way. We're seeing a lot more women be involved in male sports, executive roles, referees, things of that nature. I mentioned referees because that's one thing we see more often and we're more common with. We look at a game, who is the referee? Oh, it's long ponytail. That's a, that's probably going to be a female because I don't believe referees that are men have that long hair flowing, coming out of their hat while they're at a game. So I was watching a game. It could have been Saturday night, Wisconsin, Michigan, when Wisconsin beat up on the Wolverines. It could have been Sunday, Jaguars or Packers. I forget which game it was, but I saw a female there as a female referee. I'm like, okay, good. Not bad at all. Not I'm not I'm, I'm still getting used to it because I didn't grow up with that being the norm. But at the same time, good for you for carving out your niche in that way, getting involved in an aspect in a way that a lot of other women either never thought of or just couldn't do it. But Miss Kim NG has been around baseball for a very long time. But this feat, she's not only the first female GM in Major League Baseball history, she is the highest ranking female baseball executive the first female GM of a team in the big four leagues in North America. So you're thinking hockey, baseball, basketball, and football. The first female GM of a team in the big four leagues in the continent. Let that sink in for you. We ain't just talking about America or the country. Nope, 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 nope. We're going into the entire continent. And she's the first person of East Asian descent to be GM of a Major League Baseball team. A lot of first and a person that has paid her dues and has been at this for quite a long time. She was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. She played stickball on the streets in Queens, and that's kind of where her love for baseball kind of grew. You all know when you were younger, you had those sports or you had those people you hung out with that when you were playing that game as a kid – you started to fall in love. You started to be like, "Oh, this is all. This is me, man. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the bomb at this. I'm gonna be good at this. This is for me." Well, Miss Kim Ng was the same exact way. Started playing stickball on the streets in Queens, and that's where her love for baseball and the sport 
started to grow. She began her career as an intern for the White Sox in 1986. From there, she was an assistant director of baseball operations. From that, she was doing that. 1990 until 1996. 1996, she was assistant GM of the Yankees from 98 to 2001. Assistant GM of the Dodgers from 2002 to 2011. And with her time at the with the Yankees, she's a three-time World Series champ, 98, 99, and 2000. Here are some things that I was reading about her that I think everybody that doesn't know about her, you recognize these rankings and these newspapers and his organizations that have been recognizing her and realizing the kind of person and type of influence in sports she has had so far in 2015 she was ranked number 13 by Forbes as a most one of the most influential most influential minorities in sports number five by Forbes ranking their most powerful women in sports back in 2015 add a week had her as one of the most powerful women in sports as well. This is no slouch. This isn't someone that had just uh, got this job. No, not at all. She has paid her dues. And I listened to part of her, uh, I listened to her speak and listen to her also give her introductory interview and press conference. So many people thanked her, congratulated her on this accomplishment. She has interviewed for the GM spot with, these teams, the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Padres, the Anaheim Angels, and the San Francisco Dodgers. She left the Dodgers to be the senior VP of baseball operations of Major League Baseball, where she reported to former Yankees and Dodgers manager Joe Torre. Miss Kim NG, I can't, I gotta do it again, guys. I gotta do it. Gotta do it. Congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. So happy for you. Coming from Jay, host of this podcast, on this accomplishment, and it's everything I've seen and heard, you deserve it. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Indianapolis, Indiana, because, man, Victor Oladipo, I thought this story was not going to get any worse, but it has. (music) Going into the Orlando bubble, There was some speculation surrounding Victor Oladipo. Would he play with the Pacers and resume the season when the NBA did? Or will he forego this season, opt out, and resume his play during the next season? That will be starting very, very soon. Well, Victor Oladipo ultimately decided to play. There was... A lot of talk about his injury. Would he be healthy enough? Would he not be healthy enough? Uh, it was some speculation around fans, the fans of the Pacers. What's Oladipo doing? What is he? What's going through his mind? And the more he played, the more people saw. It looked like Victor Oladipo did not want to play for the Indiana Pacers. Well, recently, Jay Michael of the Indianapolis Star wrote an article, and in the article. It said that Victor Oladipo, in front of his own teammates, would say to other play for two players on other teams, "Can I play with y'all?" or something along those lines. It makes me make it made me pause, think, question, wonder. Victor Oladipo, not me asking him specifically, but just really wondering what is going on in his head. That would lead him to say something along those lines in front of the 
opposing team when his current teammates are there at the same time. Very, very interesting, very puzzling, very startling. And when you first hear about a, a player saying, can I play with y'all in front of another team, to another team, in front of his players, in front of his own teammates, it makes you wonder, what's going on? Is a locker is a locker room, locker room a mess? Is Victor Oladipo a mess? Is there something going on that does not make him want to be there? I mean, literally, if you watch Pacers games, doesn't take very long to see. Victor Oladipo is the leader of the team. If you watched games when, well, before before play resumed, and fans were able to attend games in the arenas, and actually teams were playing in their in their own arenas as well, you would have seen the fans of the Pacers love Victor Oladipo. It goes back to his days at Indiana University, where he played basketball there, and he was a fan favorite. As soon as he was able to come back to the Pacers, or come back to Indiana, and play for the Pacers, it was clear that... The fans loved him. The fans love Victor Oladipo, what he does on what he does on the court, and how he plays basketball. But bruh, you 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 can't be going around saying, "Can I play with y'all?" You you can't do that. You can't be going around with your own teammates and saying to uh, to, saying to the opposition, "Hey man, look, I don't want to play with the guys that I'm on contract with. I want to play with I want to play with y'all. Can y'all hook me up? Can y'all help me out?" Um, let's make something happen. Talk to your GM. Talk to my people. We will make this happen. One interesting thing that I think it shows the credibility of J. Michael of Indianapolis Star. He actually reached out to Victor Oladipo's representation before putting the story out to get some clarity, to get some of uh, their side of the story. He heard nothing. Nothing at all. It makes you pause and wonder and question Victor Oladipo, is he okay in the head? Now, if you watched in the bubble, you saw very, very clearly Oladipo was not playing like he wanted to be there. Now, was it was it his injury that he came back from prior to the NBA suspending the season? I don't know. Is it something with the head coach or a coach? I don't know. What is it that was causing Oladipo to act like he didn't want to play for the Pacers? No, but well. Oladipo knows why he was playing like he was. Maybe it truly was an injury. Maybe he, he had a rift with Nate McMillan, who's no longer the head coach of the Pacers. My, me personally, all I am here to do is left to speculate and to think about and to see and to just formulate my opinion based off the information that has come out. And when you think about a player that is in front of his own teammates speaking to the opposition saying, hey, can I play with y'all? You would think that he's saying this stuff to, oh, let's say the Lakers, L.A., Tinseltown, or the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, or uh, not the Warriors this year, but if it was a few years ago, the Warriors, or if you go to the East, oh, you say it saying it to the Celtics. Well, you think schematically and based off the roster that the Celtics have, that wouldn't work out. But no, it wasn't any of those teams. How ironically, it was one team that we saw in the finals this past year. Not the Lakers, like I mentioned. It was the Heat. So he said it in front of the Heat. Two members of the Raptors and two members of the New York Knickerbockers. Yes, I had to go old school with the name because this makes absolutely no sense. Have you watched the Knicks play basketball? And I'm not here to bash the Knicks or to harp on the Knicks. I'm not doing that. 
you could look at the record and say, well, the record's bad. How is the play even worse than what the record is? Why in the world would you say, oh, can I play with y'all? All of a sudden, and when it's the Knicks, bro, Victor Oladipo, I'm, I'm trying my best to be calm. I'm trying my best to keep my cool. I am trying my best not to go in on Victor Oladipo, but this is unacceptable. It's very, very similar, but different. You know how it is. You're playing pickup basketball, and there's a team that's just running up and down the court. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, run, they're running the court, running the court. Uh, first to 11, bam, it's over. First to 11, win by two. Bam, it's over. First to 11, win by two. Bam, it's over. They're running everybody off the court. And all of a sudden, they play five games in a row. It's about 11 o'clock at night. They're still running ball. They're still playing hard. And then all of a sudden, you find, what do you find? You find that one player on the winning team has to leave. But they're still planning to play. It's a, it's Nobody's working. They're all hooping. Nobody has any outside responsibilities. All they have going on on their mind at that point in time is playing basketball. And then all of a sudden, when that one player, when that one player leaves off the winning team's court, uh, off the winning team, you know, it's five on five. You know, running. If, if your five wins, you keep going. You keep going. You keep going. Well, one player, one person leaves, and you're like, hey, man, hey, 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 look, look, look. I know y'all run to the court. I ain't been able to play in a while because y'all run to the court. Hey, can I play with y'all? Can I play with y'all? And you know how it is when you're the winning team. You get to pick who you want to play. So if you're sad or you're trash, they look right past you. They disregard you. They forget your request because <laughs> you ain't worthy. You ain't on their caliber to play with them when they're on this run. Well, Victor Oladipo, you ain't asking the winning team to, if you can play with them. You ain't asking a, guy, a team that is in a position to possibly take you on. You're asking the New York Knicks. Now, I know it's the Heat, and I know it's the Raptors, two other teams that are there. Where would he fit in there with in Toronto? How would he fit in with that team? Or in Miami, would he fit the culture there in Miami? That is to be determined. That's in question, because I don't know if Victor Oladipo has the work ethic to play and to fit in, in that culture there in Miami where Pat Riley has built this thing up and it's exactly the way that he wants it to be. But, bro, you said New York. Now, I get it. Victor Oladipo, he's a, he's a music guy. I know he wants to have a career. I believe he wants to have a career in that field, that industry. So, I understand it. But basketball sense, human sense, I could ask my mama. And I said, Ma. Victor Oladipo said he wants to play. He said he was in front of his teammates, in front of the Knicks, walking by and saying, hey, can I play with y'all? He's asking if he can play for the Knicks. And my mama knows enough about basketball, not as much as you or I, but my mama knows enough about basketball to say, hey, if Victor Oladipo is asking if he can play for the Knicks over the Pacers, that something is dead, bad, wrong with that. Who we? I don't know, man. Watching the Pacers play, Watching only Depot only Oladipo on the court. If we were just focusing on the bubble aspect itself, it wasn't right. It wasn't right at all. Now I do believe Victor Oladipo believes he's a better basketball player than he is. I am on the record before I'll say it again right now. Victor Oladipo is a good two guard. Old school terminology. He's a good shooting guard in the NBA. He's not elite. 
He's not a perennial all-star. He is just a good shooting guard in the NBA. And that's not bad. That's not bad at all. That's not a bad spot to be in. This was pre-injury and post-injury. He is just a good shooting guard. That's it. That's not a bad spot to be. You can make you can make a lot of money, make a name for yourself, and become a household name by simply being a good shooting guard in the National Basketball Association. Now everyone wants to be the best they can be, want to be better than the want to, want to be better than everybody else. I get all of that. But one thing I do want to say is this. Sometimes players get a big head and they think they are better than what they I will I won't just say players. You and I as well. There are people in your field, in my field, that think they're better than what they are, that think they're more important than what they are, and they have a hard time understanding that they aren't as good as what they think they are. That's possibly what's going on with Victor Oladipo. If you go back to the Pacers with Paul George, the whole Paul George fiasco, this Victor Oladipo situation is turning out to be messier and weirder than the Paul George situation was because Paul George literally said, I want to be an Indy. I want to be a Pacer. I want to be here. This is my city. This is my team. I'm not going anywhere. He said this during a celebrity softball game. About a week later, it came out that Paul George wanted to be shipped out of town and no longer wanted to be with the Pacers. We have all seen it, not just in basketball, but all around sports. Normally, when a player is acting like this and in their mind, this seems like they're a little fuzzy, it sure seems like they're almost, they're, they're halfway out the door, even though, even though with their words, they say they want to be right here. Victor Oladipo, his action showed he wanted to be away from Indiana, away from the Pacers, before his mouth started speaking or the news started getting out that he is talking, talking to other teams. Can I play with y'all? Give me a break. That is embarrassing. We are adults. Let's handle things like adults. If you don't want to be somewhere, let the people in charge know. Maybe they'll get you up out of, out, out of town. We see it all, all the time with other players around the NBA. But Oladipo, the way he's handling this, the way that his time with Indiana could be up very, very soon. And let's just say the Pacers don't move him. They keep him during the season. I do believe that for the Pacers games, there will be a limited amount of fans that will be allowed to be in the arena. They'll probably boo him. Now imagine, imagine a full sold out Banker's Life Fieldhouse game number one to resume the season. I know it won't be that way, but just, just imagine with me. Game number one to, resume, to start the next season, excuse me, not resume, to start the next season. Victor Oladipo, his name is announced and you get 18,500 fans to boo strongly and loudly because they don't appreciate the way that Victor Oladipo is spending his time there with the Pacers, that these fans just spent their hard-earned money to go to the game to watch the Pacers play. He may be lucky there's no full-time, there's, there's no full sold-out uh, stadium there, but for the fans that will be there in Bankers Life Fieldhouse to watch the Patriots play this year, woo-wee, they're going to be in for a treat, and Victor Oladipo may hear more boos than he thought he would ever hear.
Plutus Sports Analytics is a company based on minimizing the uncertainty in sports betting to help you maximize your profit. Newfoundland's first sports analytics team provides daily predictions for all major league sports so you can win big. Whether you want to hit MLB picks out of the park or get a slam dunk on your NBA betting tickets, Plutus is a company of choice. Head to PlutusSportsAnalytics.com. That is P-L-U-T-U-S Sports analytics.com and use promo code JSP10 for 10% off their deadly service. It seems like every offseason there is the conversation surrounding minority coaches potentially being head coaches other places or minorities that could possibly be an executive of a in a team in a front office. The conversation is how can we get more people to be in those positions? Is there a way for us to formulate a plan to manufacture a way for those individuals that fit that description to get those opportunities? Well, if you go back, I believe it was at the end of last offseason when there was talk surrounding Eric Bieniemy, Ron Rivera, and other people in the NFL that are minority coaches, the conversation was they deserve a job. They deserve a job. They deserve a job. One man got fired, got another job, Ron Rivera. One man is, keeps interviewing for places, for jobs in other places. Eric Bieniemy doesn't get them. Why is he not getting them? I don't know. Some people assume it's because he's black. I don't know that. I haven't talked to him or the people interviewing him. So I am not going to speculate and say, this is why or that is why or here's all the reasons why. Jay is not going to, to do that. Other shows... They're fine speculating. They're fine putting words in somebody else's mouth. I think that's very immature and not a right, not the right way to do your job. So I am not going to do that. But in the offseason, the Rooney Rule came up, and I gave my two cents about the Rooney, Rooney Rule, how I think it's atrocious. I think it's a dumb rule. I think it's idiotic to where you're just checking off a quota up. A minority. Hey man, come here, man. I know you was. I know you was coaching. I know. You, I know you went all. I know you. I know you've been a good guy. I know. I know you've done a good job at where you've been. But let's come in real, real quick. We're not gonna hire you. No, 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 no. We're not gonna hire you. We're just gonna bring you in to check off and do just check a box. All we gotta do. The NFL says we gotta bring in a minority to interview them. So that's all we're gonna do. We're just gonna check off a box. Check off a box. That's it. All right, cool. I hate that. I, I should probably use a different word. I don't like that. That's bad. I know some people don't like the word hate, get a little sensitive when the word hate comes out. No, not Jay. Jay's going to use, I, I'll change it for y'all. I'll change it. I'll be nice today. Jay's, I, Jay's in a good mood. Jay, Jay's in a really good mood, but I'll change it. Dislike, not hate. Well, recently the NFL owners adopted a resolution on Tuesday that will compensate teams with draft picks for losing minority staff members to head coaching jobs and other premium positions elsewhere. I have only heard one place talk about this. This isn't reading articles. No, you can Google search it. I only heard one show, one place talk about this very thing. Now, I do listen to less. I listen to less uh, radio shows, and I, listen, I watch less sports talk, uh, sports talk on TV. I listen to radio shows still, so it could be just me not really just being as in tune with everything as I used to be. But at the same time, I will say this. It's pretty, pretty bad with the shows I listen to. There's only one, and the one show that I heard talk about it was The Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio. Chris Broussard and Rob Parker, two black 
radio host, two people that have been in sports media for quite a long time. Very, very odd. But these are the, here's a resolution. They think it's wise. The owners do. <laughs> I'll save my comments for after I read this to you. A team that loses a minority assistant coach who becomes a head coach or loses a personnel executive who becomes a GM will receive third round compensatory picks, plural, compensatory picks in each of the next two drafts. Oh, it keeps going. It gets better. A team that loses two minority staffers to head coach and GM positions would receive three third round picks. Once again, guys, that is plural. They will they will receive three one, two, three third round picks. This is atrocious. I can't think of another word to describe this. This is horrible. You're basically saying I'm utilizing a minority candidate, and this is not just black. There's black, there's Spanish. I mean, excuse me, Hispanic. I got to be politically correct with that. There's black, there's Hispanic, there are Asian, there are Native American who are minority still. There are European. It does African, you can go to Native Africa, black being born in America, African being born in Africa. I don't like the term African American. That's a conversation for another day. That's why I don't use it here on the podcast. This is downright embarrassing. You're going to tell me that in the case of an Eric B. Enemy, the owners have approved to utilize him as a pawn or a puppet to say, hey, Eric, sure, man. You want to go get a head coaching job? Be my guest. I will even help you. I'll make some phone calls to my best friend. Hey, 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 Robert Kraft, you want this guy here? He's phenomenal as an OC. He might be going Bill Belichick leaves and he wants to retire. Go right there to New England. Oh, 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 you want to go over to the West Coast? We can find a job for you. Oh, you want to go down to the to the east to the east coast? I'll find you a job for you. And the GM is basically saying, hey, y'all, look, I got this guy. He's good. He's really good at his job based off what I have seen, based off the things that the offense has done under him. He wants a head coaching job. All right, look, y'all, here's here's what you got to do. Not what I got to do. Here's what you got to do. I'm your friend. We've been friends for a long time. I have your best interest in mind. And anytime somebody says that to you in a proposition aspect, a lot of times they do not. But let me get back to the story. GM of the Chiefs is trying to get Eric Bieniemy a job. He's trying to help Eric Bieniemy take that next step in coaching to go from being the OC of a team to go ahead and be the head man, call the shots. Hey, all right, cool. I'm making my phone calls. I got, I got me a guy, GM of the Chiefs. Now got me a guy, and I'm setting everything up. I'm setting it up. I'm talking him up. I'm, I'm even saying things to his potential boss that aren't even true. But I'm trying to get that man a job. I'm trying to help him move up the ladder. I'm trying to help him be the guy that I believe he can be at the next level. I'm trying to be exactly who I'm trying to help him be all he can be. Eric Bieniemy goes in, gets the job. Next thing you know, the GM of the Chiefs is smiling and laughing and rubbing his hands Birdman style saying, oh man, look what I did. I helped him get a job and I got these picks, baby. I got these picks. This is downright embarrassing. I'm not saying I have a solution. 
I'm not saying what way is right or wrong as far as who should get a coaching job, who should be a candidate, who should get any of that. I am not saying that at all. All I am saying is this. The fact that this got voted and it got voted by the owners. I don't have to go read anything else. I don't have to hear anything else. This is bad. This right here is really, really bad and embarrassing. You can say, Jay, what are you talking about? Why, why is this embarrassing? You're using people as a pawn, as a puppet for your own personal gain. And the owners know, those that voted this in, once this goes into action and they get more picks, compensatory picks or third-round picks, whatever kind of picks they get, it will help them make more money. It will help them get the upper hand. It will help them enlarge their bank account, their owners. They're in it for the money. Not a bad gig, but they're in it for the money. This is embarrassing. I am kind of, I'm at a loss of words. I mean, I, I keep saying embarrassing. It's atrocious baffling, laughable in the sense that somebody will think to utilize somebody else as a puppet or a pawn. This is not about minorities. This is about the owners simply only caring about the dollar that they have, that they want to get more of. This is bad. This is, this right here is really bad. Yeah, you say the owners don't want to get out of their box. The owners don't want to change. I, whatever. That's a conversation for another day. But in this situation right here, guys, this is really, really bad. However, with how bad that rule is, that rule itself is bad. But the play of Kyle Trask is not. You know him, the quarterback of the Florida Gators, the guy who going into the offseason had his first offseason as a full-time quarterback so he could properly prepare like a starter in the offseason. That guy, that guy who was behind the Eric King in high school who didn't start a game until last year, literally get, didn't start a game in high school and got a scholarship at without being a starting quarterback at his own school. That guy, that guy who last year came in when Felipe Franks got hurt. I believe they're playing Kentucky, I believe. Kentucky or Arkansas. But I want to say it was Kentucky. Felipe Franks goes down. Kyle Trask comes in. Everyone's like, ooh, Dan Mullen, you're good. You're good. You're good with quarterbacks. Ooh, Dan Mullen, you're amazing preparing quarterbacks. Then I heard one person say recently, if Dan Mullen was so good at helping quarterbacks and he was this quote-unquote quarterback guru, why didn't he help Felipe Franks? That was what someone else said. I'm not going to touch that subject. But the play of Kyle Trask continues to impress. The play of Kyle Trask recently had people say Kyle Trask should be in the Heisman conversation. I heard one person say, this was not me, but I heard one person say Kyle Trask should be the Heisman frontrunner. That's what he should be. Well, he's playing phenomenal. Middle of the season, you have all the Heisman talk recently on Twitter, but a couple weeks ago, I did put a put a poll out said who is the Heisman frontrunner or something along those lines. Heisman Heisman frontrunner, Heisman trophy, something along those lines. Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields were on the poll. I believe Trevor Lawrence barely squeaked out against Justin Fields. I am high on Mac Jones, very impressed, very well, not so much surprised. He played very well last year after Tua went down. But I am really surprised that he's able to keep this. Not surprised that he can do it. 
that he's as consistent as he is. And actually, he's taking his he's taking his play to another level. I didn't expect a backup quarterback last year to come in after Tua comes down and to play like he did, then to have the same quarterback come back in this year and then to take his play to another level. I don't believe it's a scheme in the offensive sets that Alabama's running. I truly believe Mac Jones is that talented. Kyle Trask, y'all, this man keeps on balling. I mean, you look at last year's numbers. Now, he played in 12 games, 66.9 uh, completion percentage, uh, 237 completions on 354 attempts, 2,900 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, 7 INTs. That's in 12 games. This year, better. Better. And in only six games, if he keeps on this trajectory – he won't play it. He may. He has the possibility of playing as many games as he played last year. But even if he doesn't, he'll get more passing yards. He already has more touchdowns. There's a good shot. He won't throw as many ints. This year's stats: 148 completions on 211 attempts, 70.1 completion percentage, 2100 passing yards, 10.3 yards per attempt, 28 touchdowns. Three INTs, a passer rating of 197.5. You may say, Jay, how high does that go? I don't know, but I do know via playing NCAA football 14, I have seen a passer rating of over 300 before. Now, it was for a quarterback that was one for one. You got a touchdown on the pass, all that stuff, but a passer rating almost at 200. That man is playing out of his mind. I will tell you, last year's passer rating was 156.1. So you already see the drastic jump in that scale right there. And then if you just go to just his gameplay, I know there was a play this past weekend. Uh, Kyle Pitts was out of the game. He threw, he threw Kyle Trask this past game, threw the ball to the tight end. And it was more of a, it was over the middle, kind of a pop pass style, wide open, lofted the ball up over the defense, perfectly thrown, touchdown, Kyle Trask, Gators, not calling play-by-play. I would love to at some point. Maybe I should practice that in at home when nobody's around, take some videos, do some play-by-play when I know the player's on both sides of the ball to be able to start getting some practice in. Because at some point, your boy would love to be a play-by-play commentator. The opportunity has not come up just yet for that. But you know, even though the opportunity has not come up, you can still get your practice in, get those reps in, so that when your number is called, you are ready to tackle whatever is in front of you. Kyle Trask, not just that game, but game after game after game. I only went over season stats because with six games, you can see he's playing out of his mind. I believe he has six touchdowns. That is correct. One, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns this past week against Arkansas. Say it's Arkansas. I doesn't. It doesn't matter. They are playing better this year than what people thought they would. And it doesn't matter who's in front of Kyle Trask. He is bowling out. If I was putting my form, if I was formulating a list, one, two, three, four, who should be in the Heisman conversation right now? Kyle Trask is in there. So is Justin Fields. So is Mac Jones. And so is Trevor Lawrence. Some of you may want to say Zach Wilson, quarterback of BYU. Go right ahead and do that. He's uh, he's. There's a tough task. It's a, it's a huge hill to climb to get over those other four players, but it can be done. All five of them are balling this year, or going playing out of their mind. I love what I see from Kyle Trask. I expected the big things from him this season, but he has already exceeded my 
expectations, and he could play even better, get better, and possibly, hey, y'all, hey, y'all, win that SEC championship in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. You can also send emails to me at jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode number one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. This has been episode 152 of the Jason Podcast. I will see you next time.